Welcome to the High Performance CEO Podcast. This show is made with one purpose, to help you create a self-driven and engaged high-performance organization, where we deliver you proven strategies and expert interviews on how to drive significant profit growth, create a stress-free ownership culture, and give you the time freedom you always wanted from your business. And now, here's your host, highly sought-after business growth strategist and executive coach, Patrick Rogers. Patrick Rogers, and today we have the privilege to have Joel Cercel on the show. And Joel is the founder and CEO of Trans Astra Corporation. Welcome to the show, Joel. Hey, it's super to be here. Thank you so much for having me. Awesome. Super excited to have you on the show. This is going to be such a treat for folks. Joel is a proven space technology pioneer and team leader whose technical expertise spans space mission design space propulsion, satellite design, architectural design, and systems engineering. He runs an agile company where young engineers are inspired and empowered to build, test, break, and bust through technical limits and mature innovations at breakneck speed. Uh, Joel's expertise and leadership has been sought out by such organizations as NASA, Blue Origin, Northrop Grumman, Lockheed Martin, Raytheon, and the U.S. intelligence community, and of course, the U.S. Air Force. Joel has a PhD from Caltech in plasma physics and space propulsion. I'm very humbled to be here uh, to have you on the show uh, as, a, as a recovering nuclear engineer myself. Uh, he spent 14 years at NASA Jet Propulsion Laboratory, where he conceived the first ion propulsion system used in deep space missions to a comet and asteroids, Ceres and Vesta. So really cool stuff there. He's also served as the founding chief technology officer of a uh, Y Combinator space company that has since gone public. And that's before returning to Transastra to fulfill his lifelong dream, working to establish a thriving in space economy that will offer unbound potential for future generations. So Joel, amazing to have you on the show. This is gonna be so fun because we're gonna talk about some technical stuff, but also how you've been able to create a, a community of amazing people and amazing organization. But before we get into all that, What's one interesting fact about yourself that not many people know? Um, I apologize. My phone was not silenced and it will be now. No, you're good. Um, we didn't even, I didn't even hear it. No problem. Let's try this again. Yeah. So um, what, well, uh, I've got a lot of hobbies and everything, but the one that makes me a little weird or different is uh, one of my hobbies is biohacking, basically using uh, um, information from the science of biology and medicine to hack the human body to change gene expression, to change, you know, Man. change your physiology and so on. And, you know, as a guy who's pushing 63 um, wow. and uh, looking at the future of humanity in space, uh -huh. my goal is to turn back uh, the biological clock. And the biological clock in the human body, some scientists believe is governed by this thing called the epigenome. And you okay. can actually measure your biological age with your epigenome, and you can use that to adjust things like your diet, exercise, wow. supplements, those sorts of things. And so I've been doing that for a few years now. And uh, although my biological age is 63, um, I'm going backwards in time biologically by some measurements. So it's kind of a fun hobby and uh, there's some risk in it, but uh, it might help me live longer. I'm most interested in staying vital longer. Absolutely. Well, you look fantastic for 63, brother, man. 
Uh, you, you look great. I, I know the podcast. Oh, listeners... If I could get the hair to come back, then, it, then that would be a success. But I started losing that in my yeah. uh, my late twenties, so I think that's going to be a while until that happens. <laughs> oh, very cool. Well, that that is fantastic. I am actually I'm super fascinated by that kind of stuff. I know that's not the purpose of the call today, but uh, thanks for sharing that. That is, and I love people that are are taking on. You know, it's almost like every bucket of your life, you, 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 how, what can I do to maximize my health, maximize my life? And it, and it serves you in so many other ways too. I'm sure I'll bet that once you started going into this, your brain started working a lot more efficiently once you really started going after this. Well, no one ever accused me of having a very efficiently functioning brain. So I don't know about that, but uh, <laughs> yeah, it, I, I do think, um, you know, relative to, you know, things like short-term memory and processing speed and that uh-huh. sort of thing, my reflexes yeah. are pretty good. And, you know, okay. my athletic cool. performance is pretty yeah. good. So, yeah, yeah, I think so. Yeah. So, uh, so tell us, uh, tell us about your company. Tell us about Transastra. Well, um, well Transastra is a company. Uh, we, we say that Transastra is a vision-driven company in the sense that uh, we formed Transastra with a vision that for the long-term thriving of humanity, we need to be able to continue to grow exponentially um, in terms of population, in terms of um, the technology that we use and that sort of thing. And in order to do that, we have to tap into the resources of the solar system because the earth is a finite body. As um, Tsiolkovsky, who was a great, a mathematician and pioneer in space said, the earth is the cradle of mankind, but you can't live in the cradle forever. Humanity must move into space in order to continue to thrive and grow for the next thousand, 10,000 years. And so Transastra is focused on that vision of how do we harness the resources of the solar system, in particular asteroids. There's enough material in the asteroid belt to support a thriving population of a trillion people spread throughout the solar system living in worlds made out of asteroids. That's a vision that we can get excited about. It's the immortality project for our species. And um, and it's an immortality project for all the people at Transaster are working on that, that we know that as we work on this, we can contribute to something that's bigger than ourselves. So to do that, we have to develop the technology for asteroid mining. So we, in, we identified several critical problems that have to be solved in order for humanity to be, to be harvesting asteroids at massive industrial scales. We have invented about 20 different distinct technologies to solve those problems. And they're either patented or patent pending. And they break down into four distinct areas and there are near-term business opportunities in each of those areas. So we're dri- a vision-driven company, very practical in our execution, right. building businesses today based on the things that will enable humanity to harvest the resources of the solar system. So what are the four, I mean, if, if are you, if you're at liberty to say, uh, are you liberty to say the four specific? Yeah, sure. It's no secret. So, um, it's some of your audience, I think will be on video or is it all audio? Oh, it's, uh, yeah. I mean, so it's going to be, yeah, we, we don't want to share a video, but yeah. Oh yeah. You're fine with that. Yeah. It's your background. So, so if you look over my shoulder, this is a photograph of a compound telescope system. Okay. One of two compound telescopes that Transastra has built 
and uh-huh. it has some breakthrough technologies in it. We're operating telescopes uh, currently in Central California and uh-huh. Arizona, okay. and we'll be building a new telescope in Australia in a few months, right. and another one which will either be in Hawaii or uh, Colorado. Why telescopes? We have some amazing technology that turns these inexpensive little telescopes into powerful asteroid prospecting tools. Um, so one of the four problems that you have to solve is you have to be able to find, track, and prospect asteroids remotely. That's an unsolved problem right now for humanity. Um, we estimate that there are about a billion near-Earth asteroids, larger in size than, uh, say, a car. Um, but humanity has only found less than 40,000 of them. And in order for asteroid mining to become practical in the near term, we have to find hundreds of times more asteroids so that we can find those that are really easy to get to and mineable. So technology number one is asteroid prospecting with telescopes. Technology number two is we need to get around better in space. So everyone knows that Elon Musk has built reusable rockets and he's building the Starship, which will probably launch in in this this month in April of uh, 2023. Um, Jeff Bezos, Richard Branson, lots of people are developing low-cost launch. But the problem is, once you get to low Earth orbit, you're only halfway to where you need to go in space. And we need better ways to get around in space if we're going to be harvesting asteroids. So we've invented um, propulsion technology, our omnivore solar thermal rocket, um, which will power our worker B orbit transfer vehicles. And those rockets are in test in the lab here in the building where I am right now today. Wow. So number one, Asteroid prospecting with telescopes. Number two, better in-space transportation. Number three, when you get to an asteroid, you can't land on it. It's not right. like the Bruce Willis movie where he lands on an asteroid and sets off a bomb. <laughs> you can't yeah. walk on an asteroid. You have to capture them in bags. So capture bag technology to capture asteroids so you can process that material. And number four is much better technology for harnessing sunlight in space and concentrating that sunlight and using it to do things like material processing. Those are the four cornerstone technology areas of Transastra. And it turns out each one of those has a near-term business today that we're scaling. So the telescope technology can be used to track objects through cislunar space. Um, That's a very important thing for traffic monitoring in space and, and monitoring orbital debris that could be dangerous. Technology number two, the propulsion technology. We need better orbit transfer vehicles in upper stages to get around in space and so on. Gotcha. Um, Very cool. More if you want. So you really have four four business units and and they're four, they're almost like four bottlenecks that will prevent you from from being able to successfully harvest the, the, the mine, the asteroids. But at the same time, they're also potentially income producing businesses along the way. Absolutely. That's right. Very cool. So we're vision driven, you know, sort of in the same sense that SpaceX is vision driven. The SpaceX, everyone knows they want to go to Mars and build a city on Mars. They're not building a city on Mars right now, but they're worth $125 billion as a company based on all the space technology that they're building. That's making that foundation for their Mars initiative. So a little bit analogous to that. Yeah. So, so tell, so, all right, asteroids, why asteroids versus like Neptune or any of the other planets? Like what, what's, what do asteroids have that is so special? Well, it's not what asteroids have that's so special. It's what planets have that's so bad. And that is planets have gravity, gravity wells and gravity wells 
suck you down to the bottom of the planet. And once you're on the surface, they, they bring you down to the surface of the planet. Once you're there, it's very hard to get off the surface. And then when you're on the surface of a planet, you can only touch the top of the planet. And, you know, like 99.9999% of all the material in the earth is not accessible because you'd have to dig too deep to get it. Mm-hmm. And the really valuable materials, things that we call precious metals, are mostly at the core of the planet where you're never going to get them. Whereas the asteroids are floating in space and it's easy to hop from one asteroid to another without having mm. to fight the gravity well. Once you get to an asteroid, um, many but not all asteroids are undifferentiated geologic objects. What does that mean? A planet, when a planet forms, it becomes molten, it becomes spherical, the heavy stuff settles out to the, to the core and then... Um, it makes it so that many of the materials that you really need for engineering and lots of applications are not accessible. Yeah. Whereas on, a, on an asteroid, if you go to an undifferentiated asteroid, you go to a metal asteroid, like Psyche. Psyche is made of metal. You get there, you just found a mountain of metal. Um, if you go to a carbonaceous chondritic asteroid, which is or an asteroid made of con- carbonaceous chondritic material, which is a type of asteroid that we'll be going after early, um, if it's a primitive body, you get there and pretty much the whole asteroid is made of the same material. Pick up any rock on the asteroid or capture it, capture mm-hmm. the asteroid in a bag and have a robotic, robotic arm, grab a piece of it. It's pretty much the same as any other piece. Mm-hmm. And so in mining on a planet, the first thing you have to do is you have to dig deep wells. You have to differentiate, beneficiate the materials where the asteroid on an asteroid, the materials is just there and any part of the asteroid is as good as the, as the rest. But the big deal is once you're a spacefaring civilization, the last thing you want to do is go down into the bottom of gravity well, because it takes a tremendous amount of energy to get back up out of that gravity well. So as humanity becomes spacefaring, we'll be building worlds in space out of asteroids. Wherever we go, the, you know, a lot of people are taught in school that the asteroid belt is this group of rocks floating in space between Mars and Jupiter. That's one of these things that they teach you in school that isn't quite right. In reality, the asteroids stretch all the way from the sun, from just a few times the diameter of the sun and distance from the sun, all the way out beyond Pluto. So wherever you go in the solar system, there's asteroids to be harvested. And those are the resources that humanity will be able to, to grab and then use solar power to process into all the constituent parts and then use um, robotic manufacturing driven by the new generation of AI that's coming online to manufacture giant megastructures, worlds that people will be able to live in. It'll start small where, you know, there'll be space stations that are as big as today's space station, then 10 times bigger than that, then 10 times bigger than that, bootstrapping to ever bigger industries in space. That's, so that's the vision. Wow. And so, and so the whole concept is, like on Earth, we don't have these deep wells. We're able to access whatever resources we need uh, readily. Um, whereas in space and, and in these other planets, you can't for because of the deep well reasons or other reasons, well, but asteroids is a readily available resource. Right. Well, we're really not, not able to access the resources that we need readily on the Earth. Think about all the cons- right now. We're trying to go to electric vehicles. That's a great thing. You know, right, right. ultimately, electric cars can be powered by nuclear reactors and solar panels. 
and you know reduce um, certain sure. pollutions and yeah. pollutants in the atmosphere and everything. But the amount of digging and mining required to get that material is astronomical. Okay, and gotcha. that has environmental impact. And um, uh, so, you know, so you know, very soon it will make a lot more sense to get strategic materials and precious metals from asteroids than from the Earth. Mm. Um, just because um, they're floating around there, easy to get. Now, the reason the Sutter Telescope, the one that and our, our Sutter Telescope technology is so important, is that we know from scientific statistical models of the distribution of asteroids that there are probably 5,000 asteroids bigger in size than a pickup truck um, that... Um, are actually easier to get to than the moon in terms of how much rocket propellant you require to get there and back. We know that scientifically, and we can put uncertainty measurements on the statistics of that number. Um, the problem is of those 5,000 targets, mineable, attractive ones that we know of, there's only about 20. Mm. And the reason is our telescopes haven't been good enough to find them. So there's a, there's a prospecting gap. So the reason we call the Sutter telescopes the Sutter telescopes is because they're named after Sutter's Mill in California, where gold was discovered uh, in the 1800s. Right. That led to the California gold rush. That mm -hmm. led to the mm -hmm. settlement of the American West. Mm -hmm. And the United States is an economic superpower. Um, we see a similar sort of thing happening in space. When we get enough Sutter telescopes operating, and we have a plan actually to take this, techno this technology that we're currently operating on the ground um, for the Space Force for finding objects in cislunar space. Um, uh, and we're finding thousands of asteroids every week with these telescopes also. Wow. But eventually what we plan to do is we've designed the technology from the start so that it can go into space. So we can build Sutter telescopes in space. And we have a plan for a space mission that we call Sutter Ultra that in its first year of operation will discover 100 times more asteroids than have been discovered in the entire history of astronomy, according to our models and simulations. And these have been peer reviewed. Very cool. Um, and so what that'll, what that'll do is that'll find the thousands of very accessible asteroids wow. that are easier to get to than the surface of the moon. Yeah. And we think that'll usher in a gold rush to space. Wow. Um, and I want to dive into a little bit more of, of kind of the, the whole being a vision set company and create a company. But what, one last question, my, my curiosity. So asteroids, are, are they really just, um, you know, where did they come from? Are they, did they come from planets that have imploded or exploded eons ago or millions of years ago? Or, you know, where, where do they come from? Yeah, mostly not. Mostly okay. not. That's um, displaying my ignorance here, um, uh, Joel. <laughs> sure. Yeah, so the, the way the solar system was formed is there was a, there was a cloud of gas and dust mm -hmm. that was gravitationally bound. And, um, and that cloud of gas and dust started to creep, to stick together. And as it did, it started to, and, and it had a certain amount of angular momentum. As it came together due to gravitational collapse, it started to spin. Mm. And the planets all formed out of that initial proto uh that disk that formed the solar system and um and the fact that it was spinning is why all the planets are in the same plane we call that the plane of the ecliptic got it 
very roughly, you Uh know, some of the planets are more inclined than others. Um, But there was leftover gas and dust from that formation. That leftover gas and dust continued to accrete and it formed asteroids and comets. Now, as those asteroids and comets would start to collide with planets, they built up the planets. So the oceans of the earth are, are made out of water from that original formation of the solar system and then from bombardment of asteroids and comets that contained water afterwards. Um, and that's Very why cool. the, astronaut, the, the asteroids are spread throughout the solar system and the small bodies continue out into the outer solar system and we get comets. Um, and so um, now there are different, there are many different types of asteroids. They're primitive asteroids are, have not undergone a lot of accretion and collision with other asteroids. And they're made of the stuff that they were originally formed of from the early days of the solar system. And we can actually map where in that original protoplanetary disk these primitive asteroids came from. And we actually have a map of that protoplanetary disk that formed the solar system. We have a map of where different parts of that disk and what the different wow. materials were made yeah. of. So if you go to Antarctica and pick up uh, a rock, right, right, there's only one place that rock could have come from, and that's space. It's an asteroid. Or it could be a piece of rock that was blown off the surface of Mars or the moon or something through a collision. You pick it up, take it to a laboratory and chemically analyze it. Right. We actually have good solid scientific models that will tell you where that rock formed billions of years ago in the the solar system. And then a friend of mine who used to be a student of mine at Caltech, his name is uh, William Botke, Bill Botke. He's the top modeler. He's the top person who does computational models of the evolution of the solar system as it affects, affects the distribution of asteroids in the Neo belt, the near earth objects. Hmm. And um, he can tell you where in the solar system it came from and what dynamical process it went to get it to the earth. And they actually have time-based computational models of the solar system that goes back billions of years. It's really very interesting. That's, that's, amazing. that's a little off target relative to the business of transaster and so on. No. But we have to know a little bit about that yeah. if we're gonna be yeah mining asteroids somehow. Absolutely. No, this, is a, this was a fascinating conversation so far. I'm, I'm ab- absolutely fascinated that this concept even exists. So so I'd like to come back cool. to, you know, the, the one thing that you said is that you said it a couple of times that we're a very vision-centered company, vision-centric. So yeah. talk, talk to us about how critical that's been for you. Is that something that, you know, has been... Um, uh, affects the people that work with you, uh, investors, customers, employees, everything? Yeah. So, um, you know, there, I, you know, if you ask yourself, what's the key to happiness? I think there are a couple of things. I think one key to happiness is know that you're working on something important mm. and that your, your life's work has meaning. Another key to happiness is that you're surrounded by people who share your values and your direction and a team, whether it's a family, a company, a community, whatever. So we're, we humans are social creatures and um, we want to be around other people who see the world the same way we do. We're naturally tribal. Like if you're primitive, you're tribal in the sense that, you know, well, that person looks different than me. So, you know, that person is not of my tribe. But what we really want to do is have a tribe of like-minded people who are, share a common vision and are moving in the direction of good for humanity. Um, 
And we want to make that tribe as big as we can to embrace as much of humanity as possible. Um, so, so the business of having a vision and a direction, working towards the good, we find that our investors, our customers, and our employees are very excited about it. And you see this in different companies. I remember I was at SpaceX several years ago. In the early days of the Falcon 9, I was there for a meeting. I was, mm -hmm. I was helping a customer of mine. This was before the formation of Transastra. I was helping a customer of mine, customer of mine make a decision on whether they wanted to buy Falcon 9 rockets from Elon. And I was there, and we were kicking the tires on the Falcon 9, talking about the tech and the processes and that sort of thing. And Elon came to SpaceX that day, and he went to do an all-hands meeting. And he went upstairs, and they had, and, and if, if anyone's been to the Hawthorne plant early in the early days, um, there was an upstairs area that was like a balcony that overlooked the manufacturing floor. He went up there, and he started talk, talking to the, to the people, and they all came around to see him address the company and talk about the vision. And there was a palpable sense of community based on this focused vision of going to Mars that was very powerful. You see the same thing in Steve Jobs at Apple. He was talking about using computers to fundamentally change and improve people's lives. Henry Ford was about, you know, it, it used to be really hard to get from point A to point B. Let's make it so that people can get from point A to point B easily. And it's not just for rich people. Um, people who, you know, leaders who change the world build companies based on vision and the employees, the customers, and the investors all buy into that vision. We find that to be a very powerful force multiplier. No, oh, fantastic. Hey, and I and I couldn't agree more. I think that there's there's a lot of businesses out there that just exist, like you know, an HVAC company or, or any kind of any kind of company. You know, they're out, they're out there. They form the company but they don't really have a vision. They don't really have a, a, a mission. Do you think companies like that should, should also have a vision? Yes. You know, like um, there's a HVAC company in Southern California that advertise, advertises and the founder gets on the radio and he talks about how he bought the company because he wanted to, he wanted to work in quality systems mm -hmm. and how he trains each of his employees on how to, to, to do a great job for the customer and make sure that when they fix your air conditioner, it's going to stay fixed and they can rely on you and that they don't take shortcuts. And what he's talking about is he's talking about making life better for his customers. And he's talking about respecting his employees. And, you know, you can do this in any business. You can, you know, if you like, you know, someone who loves food can yeah. start a restaurant and, and they can have this vision that I'm, you know, like it, it's almost a, a spiritual thing, giving food to people, right? Yeah, you're literally yeah, giving absolutely. them life. And you, you say, I'm going to make healthy food that tastes tremendous. When mm. people come to my restaurant, they're going to have this wonderful experience. I'm going to build this ambiance that makes families and friends and yeah. teams come together. When they do, they, they, they join in unity. And, you know, someone with that kind of a vision, with passion, they're going to be a Michelin-rated restaurant before you know it, and they're going to have a more successful business than everyone else. So, you know, like the most important word in the word free market is free. It's about the free, like no, like 
the wonderful thing about a company, a company is a group of people who come together with a shared vision to sell something in the free market that no one has to buy. No one is forced to buy your product. It's you're giving them an opportunity to buy something. And if they, in their freedom, see the best value, they'll buy it. And if they don't, they won't. And if you are passionate about it, you feel Mm. something greater about it, you make the world better. Um, and, And that's true of virtually any industry that you think of. If you come at it from a vision, why am I here? How does this make the world better? How does it allow me to lead a team of people on a, in a, on a mission together, who are working together, you will have a superior company. I really I believe it. that. Yeah, very cool, man. So, so you know, it's like it's like um, we we are we were hunter gatherers in Paleolithic time. Right. You know, a bunch of bunch of people would get together and say, "We got to go hunt a mammoth," and because we don't hunt a mammoth, the village isn't going to get through the winter. And we really believe in our village and we want our family to live. So we're going to go on a mission. We might die hunting this va- this mammoth, but we're right. willing to take that chance. But they're willing to go. Yeah. Or the women and children right. or whatever. And and they were, and so it's all about mission. And so it's a bunch of like, like you like elk hunting with a bow, right? Right, right. Imagine right. a bunch of guys and gals out there feeding their families. That's like a spiritual vision. That's like a spiritual mission. It's right. very important. It's literally life. That's what we're doing. Absolutely. It's aligning them around a purpose that, that is larger than just having some menial task or job. It, it, yeah. Uh, it's fantastic. Exactly. So one of the questions that we had. By the way, there's about, no such thing as a menial task or job. There's no such thing. Well, it's if, interesting. No, there's not. I agree. But but there are some people that if they're not in an organization that has an inspiring vision, it has an inspiring mission, and it has alignment of a purpose greater than what they're doing, then people can look at it that way. They can get lost. I, I, I totally agree. And then if that's the case, let's say that you are stuck in a job where you're a dishwasher at a restaurant and the guy who runs the restaurant, he really puts bad stuff in the food and he overcharges the customers and he doesn't treat right. his employees right. well. Still, you can have the vision that you're providing for your family. You absolutely can, absolutely. And you're going to clean those dishes really well and make them clean so people don't get sick. So, I mean, it can happen at every level, but that's, actually, but that's I right. Yeah. Love it. Totally. But it's better if you work for a restaurant where the guy cares. <laughs> that's right. Um, so you, you had, we had uh, said to, to ask you the question, what is a leader? Ah, well, I, 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 um, I remember in college, I went through basic training at the Air Force Academy uh-huh. and, um, when you're a basic cadet, they give you this book of knowledge. And in the yeah. book of knowledge, there are a bunch of quotations you have to memorize. Yeah. And I remember that in that book of knowledge that I had to memorize was a leader is a man who can get other people to do what they don't want to do and like it. Harry S. Mm. Truman. Now, in today's parlance, a leader is a person who can get other people to do what they don't want to do and like it because it's not limited to men by any stretch of the imagination. But, but, um, uh, but really, the essence of that is two things. What do we need to do? And how do I motivate and empower you to get it done? And so leader, so if you're going to decide what needs to be done, a leader is the one with the vision to decide we're going over that hill instead of that hill. 
and then to motivate people to go over hill A instead of hill, hill B, and then to work together with the team to get the resources to get to hill A. So really, it involves two things, direction and empowerment. Mm. So it's like a vector. This, the length, the, you know, the, like, and the, the, power, the, 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 the success of the leader is how well have you motivated people in a direction and how well have you yeah. empowered them to move in that direction? Yeah. Those are the yeah. two elements of leadership yeah. as I see it. Yeah. Empowerment being very different than telling them how to do every, every minute detail. You give them the overall direction. That's where we need to get. You figure out how we get there. Exactly. I trust you. Love that. Yeah. 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 Very cool, man. So what, um, we spent so much time uh, talking about the, the company. I'm just so, so fascinated, Joel, with, with what you guys are doing. I think we hit some of the, some of the major things. Anything else that we haven't touched on with respect to your company that's really led to your success that we haven't really touched on? Well, the, 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 the entire reason for the success of the company is the people. Mm. Um, that's actually true. Um, company is a group of people on a mission together mm. and we happen to codify that with laws that allow you to have certain tax benefits and certain right, legal sure. protections and so on but that's at core a company is a hunting party out to provide for their families um and um i have been very lucky to be surrounded by people in transaster that who are uniquely talented and motivated awesome. and uh, that's it in a nutshell. And so, um, you know, what is a leader you ask? What are some of the features that a leader has to have? One thing is to be able to pick people who are appropriate for your company. And if you look, in my opinion, if you look at successful companies, someone in that company, the founder, the CEO, president, someone, has to have a skill in picking right sure absolutely definitely um have you guys done anything on your end to um you know what have you guys done to make sure that you pick the right people well one of it one of the issues is um i've been lucky enough to have lots of different experiences with lots of different types of folks over my life mm -hmm. and um and I try to be observant. I try to pay attention and try to notice what, what characteristics in people are correlated with the ability to perform in different environments. Um, and as a technical person, because I'm mostly a technical person, uh, making progress in science and engineering is largely about collaboration and you, and, and so in interviewing people, talking to people, if you've been around decades like I have, you mm -hmm. get pretty good at figuring out who can get yeah. the job done when you're talking to them. The other thing is, um, although my background is mostly in engineering and science, I also have a little bit of background in psychology and psychometrics. Um, I'm, I'm certified in an area of psychometrics called KAI, which is a measure of creativity and innovation. And, um, okay. and in my work in psychology, I've learned that quantitative measures are important. So we do quantitatively measure 
people's yeah. psychological footprint, fingerprints at Transaster. Very cool. Uh, that's fantastic. I think the, the best companies out there have psychometric analysis around behavior, attitude, how they problem solve, uh, different things like that. So let me ask, if you were going to hire a CEO to take the reins for your company, Joel, what's the one book that you'd require that they read before taking over for you? Well, um, a, a book that had a profound impact on me in the last 10 years is um, Denial of Death by Ernst Becker. Um, mm. Denial of Death was a Pulitzer Prize winning book from the 1970s. And, um, and it's about the business of what makes a healthy human being. Mm. And, it's, and, and, and it, he, he brings together everything from the worlds of psychoanalysis, existential philosophy and psychology. And says in a nutshell, that the key is to have a mission mm. and the key is what he calls an immortality project. It's not a vanity project. Some people hear the word immortality project and they think it's a billionaire trying to build a company and a big, you know, big company with a legacy. That's not it at all. Someone's immortality project could be their children mm -hmm. could be raising their children really well, sure. but it's, sure. it's what you do in life to leave a mark. Mm, your legacy that, that is that lasts beyond yourself not and it's the word legacy is also correct and also a little dangerous because people uh -huh. might think that it's it's a legacy of how other people think about you there's nothing no. to do with that yeah it's about on your deathbed knowing that you did something right in the world and made the your world impact. a better place awesome very cool man. Th thanks for sharing that um joel great to have you on the show i want to take a minute and just summarize some of my key takeaways first of all my biggest, probably the, the largest takeaway for me is that we're out there looking at technologies and how to literally mine asteroids and, and for, for so many reasons around furthering human race and, and just just blown away by the whole conversation we had in the first 20 minutes. So thank you for sharing with that and, and uh, look forward to hearing how you guys progress. So some of the other things is that you said that leaders change on the business side, leaders change that change the world have an inspiring vision and mission that gives the team something more than just having a job, a purpose that they can align themselves with and attach to and be passionate about. And when you have that, you have a culture of passionate people. And we talked about the definition of a leader, a leader is a great quote by Truman, a leader is a man that can get other people to do leaders a human that can get other people to do what they don't want to do and like it. And really all about that, uh, determining what we need to do and then help motivate themselves to do it. And it's all about that direction and empowerment. Um, and uh, the other one was the entire reason for the success of the companies, the people. I think that's fantastic. So, so, so Joel, if there was one takeaway that you'd really want the audience to absorb, what would that be? Live your best life. Live your best life. Simple and sweet. Anything more you want to Thank add? Thank you that? so much, Patrick. Ah, you bet. <laughs> no, I, no, I, th I, I thought your summary was a brilliant summary of what we talked about and very yeah. cogent, okay. right oh, on point. Awesome. Chad right. GPT four couldn't have done a better job. <laughs> okay, all right, cool. Um, Fantastic. Joel, thank you for being on the show. It was fantastic having you, man. My pleasure. It was just a delight. Thank you so much.
You bet. And for the audience, please hit the like and subscribe button and help us spread the word about what we're doing here. We're helping the next generation of leaders and CEOs be that much more successful. With that, we'll see you in the next episode. Thanks a lot. Thank you for listening to another episode of the High Performance CEO Podcast with your host, Patrick Rogers. Make sure you subscribe so you don't miss any future episodes. In the meantime, check out our main website at patrickvrogers.com for much more valuable information and free resources.